And welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. Evan, it's a Thursday. Our first segment, I, I we're going to jump into it. And we're going to understand maybe why you're not in such a great mood. But obviously, since the last time we've recorded, so some unfortunate news has happened. But before we dive into that specifically, how are you holding up? Are you okay? We just got done talking about your new car. You're a new car owner. So I'm hoping there are some things that are kind of bringing up your mood a little bit in these past couple days. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, the new car helps. Um, prepping for Bonnaroo helps. That's, uh, that's my... My pilgrimage, and so everything I do to to get ready to go to that is always uh, very exciting and fun. Um, yeah, you know, it's definitely uh, the news we're about to get to is definitely depressing, but that's what sports is. Uh, you know, go check my personal Twitter bio. It's it's literally just like for whatever reason we we every year every day keep getting up just to you know be disappointed, um, and uh, and it and it sucks, but it is what it is. And uh, we just have to, to roll with it. How are you doing, Dom? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, you know, there there's a little bit of news that I'm not too particularly happy about uh, that we will also get to as well. But in terms of trying to uh, you know compare our issues, I'd kind of rather be in the boat that I'm in compared to you. I definitely feel that you you got the shittier end of this bad news stick here. But overall, doing well. Can't can't complain. I. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's really about it. A well, cool side story, real quick. I got a, I did a story, and I have to send you this picture, Ev. I got a, I did a story on this guy who makes spears, doing it for our Florida State kickoff special. He made one for me so I could sh- so I could showcase it and get some shots of it. Well, we get done shooting the story, and he gives me the spear. So now what? I'm the owner of a six foot spear. Yeah, it's insane. That's pretty tight. It's awesome. So that's uh, I, I mean, you know, all of our all of our love to our Montana client or you know coworkers and and uh, and 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 friends and everything else, but I don't think either of us ever got given a, a damn pickaxe or anything while covering the ore diggers. So oh my, uh, uh, is that is that yeah? Oh dude, that would have been unreal. Little little fucking hat with the light on it or or a little small pickaxe. Yeah, even even just a hard hat would have been would have been nice. But but yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty badass. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, yeah, I, uh, I actually I just sent you a picture of it, but it's cool. badass, super badass, pumped about it. All right, well, let's just stop avoiding the inevitable, Evan. Let's talk about what happened in the time that we have recorded. Fortunately, I believe it was a Tuesday or late Monday. Um, it was, uh, I believe it was Tuesday. Yeah, sad news for your boy, Travis, Travis Etienne. Yeah, it's uh, it sucks. He's out for the year pretty much, uh, and uh, – you know, it's a it's one of those like really really rough uh, sprained ankles and and um, it just fucking blows. I mean, it's uh, there's not really much you can you can say. It's weird though because like it's not this like tragic loss to me. Like 
I I mean, if we're being honest, you know, Etienne was getting was getting uh dang, like getting rep, not getting reps over Carlos Hyde. Like Carlos Hyde was the second running back on the roster. And maybe that was Urban Meyer doing some dumb bullshit like he was doing with Trevor and uh and Minshew as the starting quarterback, which he also named he named uh Trevor officially right. this week. So I was gonna get that. I forgot because we didn't even write that down, but definitely was gonna segue into that, which we can get to in a second after right. we wrap up the so, ETN. So maybe maybe he was doing with ETN, he was maybe trying to, you know, do that type of scenario where he's like, Oh, well we're not, you know, whatever. But but either way, I mean the thing with ETN, it's not that I didn't like the pick when they drafted him, but I he, he did have entry concerns. He always had size kind of concerns and and you know I I'm not A lot of people thought there was a reach if uh, at that yeah. point. Yeah, and I'm not like I'm not trying to diss a dude. I'm not trying to diss him about having an injury. This oh, don't get it twisted. First and foremost, this sucks and I hate it for him. I hate it for the Jaguars, I hate it for me. That being said, I don't know, like, really how much help he was really going to be this year. Like, how, like, was he a guy that gets you, like, another win this season? I don't Mm -hmm. really know that for sure. So it's, it blows, but it's, it's less of a blow when you consider, okay, we have James Robinson who just came off of, like, the best, like, undrafted free agent year in, like, running back history or whatever it is. And, you know, while he's not a speed guy, and, and what's weird about ETN is that he's definitely fast. Like he's definitely very quick, but he's not like he's definitely not like the fastest guy in the field. Pretty much whenever he plays, so you know, it's it's not like that was like just as completely like all like a Tyree Kill s like breakaway speed type scenario. So it, it definitely hurts. It definitely stinks. But I also am wondering, you know. How much will it actually change after this last preseason game? I'm not feeling great in general. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, it's it's kind of it's kind of a concerning look right now after two weeks. I know it's preseason. I know it's you know whatever, but I mean they they had not scored a touchdown with Trevor yet with Trevor on the field. So and that's not it's less of like Trevor's fault. He's made some plays over those two weeks, but. I just wonder, you know, what is the identity and direction of this offense and this team? It doesn't help to lose ETN, but I do feel like it will probably narrow down some of what they try and do, which could be a bad thing. I could also seeing it be not such a bad thing. Kind of, um, kind of forces them to go stick with one plan, one kind of mindset, or some sort of scheme. I guess is the better way to rope it in. So you know, maybe as you said, as you're looking for that direction, maybe not having a guy like Etn starts to give a little bit of leeway to the direction of where Urban has to take his offense to. Exactly, and I'm describing this as a silver lining. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Oh, well, the Jaguars uh, lost well, a player be, and to got be better. Fair, though, I mean, we I, I texted you right after it happened. Obviously, and I, and I think the shock factor, obviously, of hearing that news sucks. And even as an outside perspective from a guy who's not a Jags fan, that stinks. You know, like obviously there because there's nothing there's nothing that Travis Etienne was going to do that, as you mentioned, was going to make the Jaguars like beat the Bills Week Nine, let alone go win a playoff game or go get a Super Bowl. But it, it, I think it would have been kind of fun to see what he could have brought to that offense, how much more dynamic he could have made it with James Robinson in there. Um, but th- overall, what I've seen in the past couple days, the fallout, Jags Twitter, not very, very concerned at all. And I think that's because of the news uh, of Trevor getting the starting job. But like Jags Twitter, very relatively calm after the shock factor. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know yeah, if that's... I mean- 
I don't know if that's just because you guys are used to the bad news or you guys yeah, are already kind of looking looking forward to kind of what's to come. That's definitely part of it. It's definitely uh, <laughs> I, I can I can absolutely confirm that uh, that part of it is just everything sucks. You know, right. God is dead. There's no point in living. <laughs> um, but but uh, it's. It's also just like I said, I don't think anybody was especially convinced based on what we were seeing in training camp and and things like that. And, you know, this I think the expectations for the season were always set low. So it's okay if Etienne's not there and the Jaguars are bad. They were going to be bad anyways. So um, or at least mediocre or whatever they end up being. So, you know, at this point. Just make sure he's as healthy as possible. You want to make sure that he's like fully. This is, you know, all this can this this type of injury that definitely sucks and it's and it's definitely something he's going to have to rehab and what have you. But it's not like he tore his ACL and his MCL. Like this is not quite a you know a okay we have to rebuild this dude's knee or we have to rebuild this dude's you know uh, uh, calf or yeah like, I, I don't so, you're not just you're not using the word devastating to describe this injury. No, it just sucks that it's going to take a while to to recover from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it gives him a chance to get used to, you know, kind of the environment that he's in. It gives him a chance to uh, make sure that he's going to be fully recovered. Because that's the thing is, I mean, if this happened like two or three weeks ago, um, if this had happened like two or three weeks ago, I, you're, you're, you're more than likely going to like uh, – like see you would see him come back but due to nfl ir protocol and rules that's what kind of makes it hard for him to come back right so right. i i mean you know he he should be fully 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 healthy next year he should be good to go and you know ho- hopefully maybe a little bit more comfortable after a year of just of just watching and learning and and uh and cheering on the team from the sidelines so you know i i it's it's hard to it's hard to feel good about it in a lot of ways, but also it's hard for me to be so down about it. Like I'm already trying to get in the mindset of, oh, so next year it's going to feel like we have two first round picks again because we'll have a new first round pick and Etienne will finally be, you know, doing his thing. So, right. Um, yeah, it is what it is. It just is. It sucks. Well, and, 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 I, I and at least for you guys, your, your ex, as but. you said, your expectations weren't that high to begin with. So the loss, it, it wouldn't have made a difference otherwise. So I guess in terms of your, your trying to recover your emotions, I guess that, that, that'll help as well. But as I mentioned, though, Trevor Lawrence finally getting named the starter. I mean, it's not a surprise. It's just waiting for Urban to uh, finally go ahead and make that decision. Now, I believe, I don't know if I saw it via Dilla or somebody else uh, with, with sources within the Jags, uh, the, the Jags organization, but uh, Urban finally apparently got his hand forced to make that decision because the locker room was becoming extremely divided and extremely upset with him holding off on that decision. Are you surprised by that at all? Is that something you kind of thought would have happened the longer he took to make this decision? Well, I, uh, you know, I mean, my boy Dilla, you know, he that's that's what he said, and I and that dude's word is gospel, uh, really, when mm-hmm. it comes to 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 the inside the the Jags. Uh, I saw someone room. tweet, and it said it said this isn't this isn't the Jags uh, summer camp. This is Dilla's summer camp, and I was like, that's. Yeah. That's, that makes about that makes sense, you know. He's the, <laughs> he's, the he's the oracle. Um, but but so yeah, I think I think that definitely played a factor. I definitely think it was a case of 
okay, well, this team is obviously not feeling very cohesive or feeling very uh, committed to this identity or to what the team is doing if your first overall pick isn't being named the, you know, the, 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 the starting quarterback. I mean, if you're doing that, you're, you, you can say all you want, like something Urban preaches is, okay, well, we got to earn it. It doesn't matter when you were selected or what we're paying you or whatever. You got to earn your starting spot, blah, blah, blah. There has been nothing Trevor has done by Urban's account, by anyone's account, to say that he hasn't earned it. And I get it. I get that you want it to feel like a competitive environment. I Mm -hmm. get it. But, like, dog, this is not college. This is not, like, and, and I mean, that's what everyone says to Urban. It's almost, like, cliche to say that. But that kind of whole situation, how that played out, as as one of my friends described it, was very college. Was very college to, like, not. That's what Nick Saban does. Nick Saban refuses to name a starting quarterback if there's a conversation about it. Like, he refuses to do that. He's done it, like, he did it with Jalen Hurts. He did it with Mac Jones. He did it with, like, everyone. That's, to me, a college thing to do. In the NFL, man, I I don't think dudes, like, dudes want to feel like, yeah, that they're, like, playing with the best possible team out there, but they know the best possible team out there. They don't need to be convinced. They don't need to be whatever. I mean, things can change. People improve. But I think in that scenario, motherfuckers know the deal. Like, those guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars a year to execute. They get it. It's it's not a it's not a hard lesson for them to to come to grips with. So, I think it's kind of bush league. I'm definitely not like enthused that it took this long, but hey, it has, and we we now have him as a starter. And Urban already said that he's going to get first team reps in our preseason game against the Cowboys. So, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe this is what finally helps him. Maybe the little bit of confidence now that you know now that it's solidified and it's set in stone. Maybe this is the little confidence, little kick in the ass Trevor needs to, with the offense too to kind of go out get that first touchdown. Maybe I. I don't care if he scores a touchdown or not, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think it matters. As long as he just doesn't... Like, that dude has not made any major mistakes in his two games. There's been some issues, but, like, for example, like, holding the ball too long. But he didn't really do that against the Saints. He definitely was getting rid of the ball much quicker and didn't, you know, completely ruin his uh, his performance by kind of rushing himself a little bit, which is encouraging. Um, that being said... I just, I don't know. There's going to have to be some legitimate convincing, like, of what this team is and kind of what the the expectation is. Because Can, can I say what I'm upset about, though, is that the fact that this whole time C.J. Bathard was never in the QB1 conversation? He's been playing lights <laughs> out, too. It's, like, been insane. Like, y'all, uh, actually, actually, hold on. Oh, man, they don't have the preseason stats up on ESPN. But, uh, dude, like, it's actually crazy how good C.J. Beathard has been over the past two weeks. Like, he has just been stupid. Um, That being said, you know, I love love my boy C.J. You know this. Everyone knows this. Mm -hmm. I've always – I have several C.J. Beathard jerseys. Everyone knows this about me. Um, <laughs> but, but the, the, the fact is, is, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I'll be, you know, some people are now saying, okay, do the Jaguars try and trade Beathard? Cause he's looked so good. And I wouldn't be opposed to it, 
But I do feel like they need to trade one of Minshew or Beathard. I feel like that should happen at some point. But who knows? Urban might go in with all three. Also, breaking news. Um, Down and out. Breaking news update. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and two other players and two other coaches uh, are all on the COVID list. So, Boom! COVID! That was just announced by Schefter. Um, Schefter. So, so, sounds like he will be back in time for for week one. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. This, honestly, uh, this is, this is if, if, if you're going to go get COVID, this is the time to go get it. This is right now. Like, right now. Like, to literally today. Go get it today so you can be ready for week one, you know? And, and, you know, and pray to God that everybody, you know, recovers and is okay. But this is, like, this is the time to go get it. I know there's never really a good time to get COVID, but if you're trying to get ready for week one. If you're an NFL it player, it's it's game time. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. definitely. And, and, I mean, and we're going to get to a COVID issue in a second here, but uh, we have to uh, segue out of our Jaguars talk. We'll call that – we call that the Bad Breaks Jaguars, and Evan actually preferenced it before we started recording. That could become a very much running segment. We, we hope it, it might is. just be the Jaguars recap. It might just yeah. be the game-by-game game recap segment is Bad Break Jaguars, but we'll see. Absolutely. Well, uh, rolling on with our NFL division previews, we finally come to the AFC East. So, obviously, we get to talk about the Bills. First off, impressions just on this league in general or on this division in general. Again, I'm going to try talking with as little bias to the Bills as possible. But this is by far the Bills division again to lose. There should never, there should not be a doubt about that. Uh the bigger question, I think, is who is possibly the second best team in this division? Who has the best shot of maybe, maybe sneaking in a wild card spot from the AFC East? It's either going to be the Patriots or the Dolphins. And with all the additions that the Patriots made this year in the offseason, John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, uh, did actually just trade Sony Michelle. Uh, to the Rams, that was literally that just happened yesterday. So they are without uh, Sony Michelle in the backfield. I don't think that matters too too much. I, th- to me, th- this is sniffing like it's going to be the New England Patriots getting that second spot in the AFC East this year. Um, I, I think I think the Dolphins' biggest thing, what helps them is it all hangs on what does Tua do this year. That's the biggest question mark for the Dolphins. It's what what does Tua do this year it does does he take that uh, I call it the Josh Allen step does he take it into year two or does he just kind of play the way he did year one and that in in being in doing so when do the Dolphins feel that they have to bring in Jacoby Brissett to try to get them in the playoffs right so I I, I if I'm if I'm a Dolphins fan I really hope that Tua is that guy is that truth because the last thing you want for Tua's confidence is to have him go week three, week four in, and then take him out like around then, around week five, and then he doesn't see the field maybe for the rest of the season. It's not going to do good for his confidence. I wouldn't be too happy about that. So just because there's a, a few question marks there, I, I would give this the Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. And if, and if anybody wants to come at me and argue that the Jets are not going to finish fourth in this division – uh, come at me on Twitter. Go ahead and do it at the Down and Out Podcast or at Dom Tibbetts TV. But just know that you will lose. You will lose this argument. And I will ask what drugs you are doing. And I will ask you to share them with me because you're wrong. Yeah. 
I definitely agree. I definitely agree that uh, the Jets are the clear number four. I mean, that's uh, they. Who knows? Maybe, maybe the Patriots implode or something. Maybe the Dolphins implode or something. I mean, I hope. I but, hope they all implode, right? But I'm like, right. yeah, the, the Jets but, are but, going uh, but, to be the but team. But if, but the the sensible decision, the sensible prediction, and like kind of understood look right now on paper is that the Jets are four. Um, for me personally, you said Dolphins second. Or Patriots second. Patriots second. I just I have I I feel like picking second and third between those two teams is like basically pointless. Um, Flip a coin. Yeah, because I really do feel like they are like similarly talented. Like the the Dolphins are a very talented team. Like the Dolphins have a lot of talent across both sides of the ball, and that secondary is very very real. Very, that secondary very is very real, and I'll be curious if their pass rush can show up this year. They're going to be a problem in that regard. I mean, they're, they're their be concern a, to me is just offense, though. I, I just yeah. I, it's then it becomes question marks it, on the offense. Then it becomes is to going to step up. Now, Tua has looked great in preseason. He threw the pick in the end zone in the preseason week one game, which was kind of like the highlight. But other than that, dude has been absolutely lights out. Looked really, really good. Mac Jones has looked solid. I just don't know if. I don't, well, I don't know. even. I, I don't even think Mac is going to be the starter. I, yeah, I I don't know, know if he's going to be the starter. And then on top of that, like I don't know, even if whether it's Mac or Cam starting, I don't know if it really matters in terms mm-hmm. of them maybe reaching like ten wins. Who knows? Maybe Cam turns back the clock a little bit. Maybe he, you know, he, it, it's fully there. But I, whereas I think like, for example, I personally think like Jameis is going to end up having like a, a really good year for Jameis. Like he looks great. He looked great against the Jaguars. He looks apart. I wonder if Cam will do the same. And, you know, if Cam goes out there to start for the first four games of the season, they go one and three or oh and four, then that's already like. Like boom, okay. Yeah, get the uh, that that that's where you get like the big long uh the 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 stage cane, you know, the really long yeah. with the hook. Yeah, that's that is the time where it becomes Mac Jones season if, if yeah. he's not already starting. So honestly, yeah, I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'll go against you and I'll say Dolphins second, and okay. uh, Patriots third, because I do feel like the Dolphins need to to figure out less to have like a really solid season. That may only be nine and eight, but. You know that would be good enough for second, I think, in that division. Um, and who knows? Maybe I mean they could be a team that goes ten and seven. I mean, you know, if the Patriots suck and the Jets suck, and you and you go four and zero against them, if you win those games, like you need to, if you if you have wild card aspirations, typically you need to go do, you need to beat the the last two teams in the division. And who knows? Maybe they pick one off against the Bills. I don't expect it, but maybe they pick one off. Well, the reason the reason why I was so tossed between the Patriots and Dolphins is because I could very much. I think the Bills go six and zero, and I think if they want to do and go to the places they want to, they need to go six and zero again against the division. However, I do believe that there is an argument to be made that both the Patriots and the Dolphins could, by chance, steal a home game. Like when they're home, they could steal the home game against the Bills somehow. I mean, the 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 Patriots were a fumble, or yeah, the Patriots were a fumble away from beating the Bills. And the Dolphins were, you know, a, a two or three interception performance in the first half from maybe having a shot in the second half to come beat the Bills. So it's it's not out of, it's not illogical, but like you said, I I think you could make that argument uh, either way for whoever's going to come out and get second in that division. Yeah, 
Um, I think it'll be really fun to watch. And I think the Dolphins will be very entertaining to watch as like a team. They may be not good, but I truly do think that they're going to be like a fun team to like just watch because they either the offense is going to suck and they're going to get blown out or not blown out, but they're they're going to still be in kind of some tight games because of that defense, or the offense is going to be pretty solid, and they're going to win games. So, that I mean, or at least that's how I view it. Um, with the Patriots, I mean, that offense might be, who knows, maybe Cam if Cam Newton's good, that offense will be good because they do have, you know, they they have the two tight ends, they've got some weapons, they've, you know, what have you. But but they first also... Year, first year with Nelson Angelor, so it'll be curious to see yeah. if, if the fresh start kind of re- reinvents his career... You know, there's there's reason for optimism there, too. But I feel like I don't know. I, I I also still even now, even after, you know, there's a lot of people that have basically not given up on Tua, but are definitely a lot cooler on Tua. I am still a person that's very, very high on Tua. Like Tua, when when I want in a, you know, college and NFL are obviously different. You know, it's clear, whatever. But when I watching Tua at Alabama was absolutely crazy. Like, it was nuts. I've never, like, it was, like, as good as Joe Burrow was, I truly feel like Tua at his best was, like, matching Joe Burrow's, like, great greatest games for LSU. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I just, I think he can he can definitely make the step up because he's got enough talent to do it. It just, it's going to come down to decision-making. Yeah, it's around. That's he also, he had, hey, reunited with his boy, Jalen Waddle too. That's, Re- and, I mean, Waddle looks, Waddle looks the part already. So, mm-hmm. And I, I, mean, I, I think it has to, like I said, if for for Tua, I think it it can be there, right? It just it's 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 that jump. Can he make that jump? And I think he can. But in in the in the instance where I do not think he makes that jump, that is what dooms. That is what dooms that that offense. Uh, because I believe, yeah, because with Jacoby Brissett, I think you know what you're gonna get with Jacoby, and it, and by the time he's in, if he's not starting, then yeah, that might just be too little too late. I don't think Jacoby Brissett is a guy who comes in week five if you're two and three, one and four, and magic, magically resurrects your season, you know? I, I, I yeah. think you have to live or die by, by Tua at this point if you're if you're the Dolphins. Yeah, and, uh, it, I mean, that is that is that is the truth. And if it doesn't go well this season, they do have a major, major, you know, kind of question mark to, to figure out there. Um, but... No, I mean I'm I'm I am mildly optimistic about the Dolphins. If I was a Dolphins fan, I would be thinking, yeah, Wild Card's not out of the question. I mean, division obviously I would say is at the current juncture, unless you know drastic things change in in Buffalo. But but you know you can't hope or plan on that. So with that said, like I said, I I feel I, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm feeling at least positive. If I'm a Patriots fan, I'm a little less you know. I'm, I I feel like I don't know who my starting quarterback is. I have no idea what's going to happen here. If I'm if I am a Patriots fan, I'm thinking I want Mac to go ahead and start because right. it's not it's not that like Cam can't do it or whatever, but if Cam, I'll put it this way: if Cam just hasn't absolutely, I mean, it's partially been because he hasn't been able to. He didn't play in the you know the last preseason game. You know, there's various things going on there. I just I would rather just go ahead and say okay we drafted this guy in the first round he's looked fine in the preseason let's see how he looks when there's live rounds going right and uh, yeah and for the Jets hopefully you know so uh, I will say I I think Zach Wilson has looked pretty good 
No, and he looked really good in game to, two. To my surprise, because I really don't want Zach Wilson to be good, because I don't want like the, I, I just don't want the Jets to have a good quarterback. But Zach Wilson, by all accounts, has looked the part and looks like the Jets may have actually finally fixed the QB problem. Maybe, but it looks good so far. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think, I think there's definitely a reason for optimism there too. But it's the same deal with that as it is with Trevor, where it's like if Trevor had come out and thrown two or three touchdowns, you have to, you know, temper your expectations. You have to say, okay, well, he's playing great in the preseason. That doesn't mean he's about to go, you know, light it up in his rookie year. Um, right. But with Trevor just being okay in the preseason, that doesn't mean that Trevor is going to be bad, you know? I mean, it's yeah, it's the same definitely. deal with it's same deal with the Jets where it's like, okay, Well, look at look at what looking. Zach Wilson also has around him too. Like I'm looking at their depth chart right now and you know, you 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 know, you pick up Corey Davis, which is a nice addition. You get Tyler Croft as your as your tight end one. But a lot of these guys like Jamison Crowder has a lot of just a question mark. He's been on this team for a while. What can he do? Jets defense isn't isn't by any means awful. You know, I, I'm a huge CJ Mosley guy. Extremely good middle linebacker, but yeah, I, I I think the Jets are by clear the number four team, and that's solely because I don't know if Zach Wilson has the right people around him to even even if even if he comes out and actually has a good start to the season, I don't know if he has the right people around him that are going to help him exceed in the role he needs to be in. Yeah, it's no matter what. I mean, just like the Jaguars, they both both those teams feel like even if they overperform this year. The, the real deal is what comes after the additions of next offseason. You know what I mean? Like, right. when you can get Zach Wilson weapons, awesome. When the Jaguars can get any good players at all. Just a like tight a, end. A, a, a physically good tight end. Can a, well, just a good player. Yeah. Um, just one. Just a single good player. Then we can start <laughs> going there. No, I mean, that's obviously whatever. But, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's... I... Uh, I, I think I think we've just about covered it, but yeah, I think I think the AFC East is one of the most interesting divisions, definitely in the AFC. I definitely would consider it a really fun one to go watch out for this year, but less because of like oh it's going to be so competitive for the for the you know the title or whatever, but really it's just like every single one of those teams has like major question marks, like other than the Bills. The Bills are entertaining, they're fun, they score a lot of points. But the other three teams are what the fuck are you like yeah. what 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 are you doing like what is your team like where are you guys at and I love when those kind of situations arise because I love getting the answer um, and yeah so yeah I uh, the only the only thing I wanted to add with the Bills I the, the offense just the only thing because the only addition really is getting to see Emmanuel Sanders um, you know kind of hoping that he gets to turn back that clock a little bit you know um, he'll at least be useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he, he's kind of a uh, a little bit more athletic, Cole Beasley. And God forbid if Cole Beasley has to start missing more and more games, or something happens to him, then you know at, le- at least I know we have Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, um, c- coming into his second year, really good uh, rookie rookie season last year in terms of his productions and target. Um, super excited to see him kind of step up and 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 get more of a role in the offense. Uh, good backfield. I like the addition of Matt Breida just because it's a veteran guy. Uh, dependability behind Devin and Zach. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, everything here is pretty pretty straightforward. Um, 
I will say though, a guy that the 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 Bills have really needed a, a, an elite pass rusher, and Jerry Hughes is in his final season. Uh, Jerry Hughes is not elite anymore, uh, but he is a legacy Bills guy, and he deserve he will get however much time he wants with the Bills as he can get before he retires after this season. I will say though, second in waiting, I've been very very pleased with Gregory Russo. Uh, our yeah, first round draft pick out of Miami. Crazy. He looks fo- uh, looking the part. Very very happy with him. He whipped. Uh, he whipped. Uh, what's his name? The Penny Sewell in mm-hmm. that uh, opening preseason game. He absolutely crushed that dude. Yeah, he's just a, he's a fucking an absolute animal. Uh, AJ Epinetza, uh, our t- a pick from tw- the 2020 draft from Iowa, has been making strides as well. So if, you know if, if AJ can play up to the level that Greg is, you know that that's a, that's good for the future. Ed Oliver, obviously Ed Oliver, you know he's just riding horses in the offseason doing his thing. Yeah, none of that really. I mean, it's 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 to be advertised. It's the Bills' division to lose, and this is the first time I will I will say, and I I say it every year, but this is the very very first year. In my lifetime, Evan, where I can physically say the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. And that's not even like me like bullshitting. Like I very much think that the Bills can win a Super Bowl this year. And they absolutely should be thinking more than an AFC championship, more than just a revenge against the Chiefs. Right? That that's their biggest competition in the AFC, is the Chiefs. But beyond that, the Bills should absolutely be thinking they are playing in February for a Super Bowl. And oh boy. Buckle the fuck up if the Bills are playing for a Super Bowl on this podcast. Holy shit. There you have it, folks. He's uh, he's he's made his... Bet very, the mortgage! Bet the mortgage! He's made his very, very, uh, you know, uh, reserved prediction here. But, but yeah. Um, no, I, I can see the Bills. I have, like, the Bills going to the AFC Championship game. We'll see. We'll see if they... Uh, they it's it, it's going to be... I would be shocked if the Bills are... N- if, if it's not Bills versus Chiefs in the AFC Championship, I would be shocked. I would be shocked. If, I would be shocked if one, if either of those teams made it without the other. I'd be shocked if the Bills didn't make it and the Chiefs did. I'd be shocked if the Bills made it and they're playing like the Browns or something like that. Like I would be shocked well, to, if we're not to getting me, a rematch. The only teams that really are in that mix, at least like in my immediate, like the immediate teams that come to my head in terms of who's in the mix for the AFC Championship besides the Bills and the Chiefs are. The Titans and uh, the Browns. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe the, the Ravens. Be, maybe the, the Ravens if they win the North. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel fully convinced about the Browns being a real ass team at this point. Like I most definitely. So I, I you know it'll be it'll be uh, if 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 they you know I feel like the Titans could be could regress, but I feel like the Browns won't. I feel like the Browns are probably going to walk to a uh, AFC North title. But, hey, we can get into that next week or whenever we do yeah. well, AFC uh, North uh, preview. We w- and we will get to the AFC North uh, come next episode. Uh, actually, you know, two episodes for now because our next episode, folks, buckle up. We get to go to the greatest division in all the NFL, the NFC Beast, the NFC East. East. Buckle up for that one. Holy cow, the most elite division in the NFL. We'll get to that on the next episode. Can't wait to dive into that shit show. My goodness gracious. Can't wait. Um, all right, we need to go make some money, so we're going to go to the cash grab. But when we come back, college football, baseball, the Angels fucking stink. All that coming up just after the break. Stay with us. We're going to the cash grab. Down and out. We'll be back right after this. 
What it do guys, Dom here, and the summer season is beginning to ramp up, and if you're like most Americans, you could use a good car wash and interior cleaning to get your whip feeling like a million bucks. You're going to need to turn some heads this summer, and the best way to get your ride nice and purdy is by taking it to Apex Auto CNY in Syracuse, New York. Mike and his guys excel in customer service and promise 100% satisfaction every time. Check out Apex Auto CNY. Y on Facebook and tell them down and out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Down and Out. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half underway, and we start the a little bit of a uh, update from our first. Uh, kind of thing that we talked about on Monday. The ACC Big Ten Pac-12, we talked Monday that there was talks about forming an alliance. Well, folks, shortly after, I think a day or so after we dropped the podcast Monday, it became confirmed that the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have all formed their own alliance, not a conference. Let's make that clear. An alliance, not a conference. Which, Evan, as we talked about before, this sounds really cool. Like, this sounds like they're teaming up, like they're the Rebellion teaming up against the Galactic Empire and the Death Star that is the SEC, you know? But again, not a conference, it's an alliance. But then again, this also does not mean shit at the end of the day. If you look past all the all the black and white and all the hoorah-rah, this doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. It's a verbal agreement. That's the exact term that they use, which, guess what that means in court or means when shit actually hits the fan. And Nothing! Real, nothing. So when the SEC says, or, you know, when Florida State or, or Clemson or whatever says, <laughs> hey, like, we want to join, there's nothing that's going to stop them, and there's nothing that anyone can do. Like, I, I was, um, that's exactly my thought. I was just like, what, what, is, what is Clemson re- realistically going to do when the SEC's like, hey, do you want to make, like, triple the amount of millions that you make already? Yeah, just come with us. Like, absolutely. What are they going to be like, oh, no, I had an alliance. I can't do that. No, nah, they're going to say, yeah, of course, peace, ACC. Fucking later, losers. Well, As they should. The, the Probably the most interesting part of, like, everything I saw about it was that at one point, I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but uh, I believe it was the, the Big 12 or the uh, Big 10 president who said, you know, so this isn't a voting block. It's not a voting block when it comes to like NCAA matters, but I don't see us disagreeing with each other very often. So essentially it is a voting block. Essentially whatever their interests are, are going to be, they're gonna be unified in the way that they like, whether that's related to TV deals, college football playoff expansion, like whatever it is, they're going to be pretty like lockstep with each other, which is what you would expect, but it's also, it does add a whole new dynamic to what's going on. And really, I think, you know, whether it's like the goal to or not, it's not the goal, but but I really think it's going to expedite the process of like the SEC and college football teams leaving the NCAA. I, uh, I think that will essentially like speed that process up. I don't right. know that, you know, I don't know necessarily, like, I, I wouldn't say, it's not like I've got numbers where I'm like, okay, so instead of eight years, it's going to happen in five years. But essentially, if the SEC is getting, like, boned or in the SEC's eyes are getting boned by, like, uh, the voting of, of those three conferences, I think they would just say, okay, well, I don't know why we're still doing this. Like, we're all big enough that we don't need to just, you know, 
we don't need to hang out with these other conferences and like have to kind of deal with 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 whatever they're trying to do because the thing is man is that at the end of the day don't get it twisted all respect to you know a lot of the acc legacy programs all respect to the big 10 legacy programs you know how state of michigan or it's or you know they're massive that being said the sec is big enough to stake its own like like just go out on its own fully especially with texas and oklahoma most definitely especially with texas and oklahoma they don't need the ncaa nearly as much as the ncaa needs them so i'm curious to think how like how much this alliance will actually help because i feel like the ncaa will still try and cave to sec interests most of the time um but yeah, I mean, overall, it's nothing has changed all that much, really. I mean, this was just this was more for like I feel like their respective fan bases of teams in those conferences than it was for any type of you know like like development like or 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 changing of of how things are going to go because it doesn't do anything. This is just, like I said, this is rah-rah to me. This is, mm-hmm. you know, we're fighting back. We're not just going to sit down and take it. And it's like, okay, well, well you guys you're, aren't doing you're, you're, you're about to. You're about to in 2023, 2024, when you've got to make a decision knowing in the next year you're going to lose Oklahoma and Texas and the revenue spread is going to be absolutely astronomical. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, we want some of, we want some of that fuck you SEC money. We want so, that. <laughs> So, yeah, if they don't want to schedule out-of-conference SEC teams, fine. You're just going to ruin your strength of schedule. Like, that's all that's going to do, too. Not that, really, this matters over the next, like, four or five years because all those games are pretty much... Well, to be fair, too, Ohio State loves to never schedule an SEC out-of-conference. So, for them, that's nothing new. (laughs) For For sure. (laughs) I always think that's so funny about people being like, oh, well, Alabama's, like, strength of... People think, like, I feel like there's this idea that happens, especially with, like, Alabama or maybe, like, LSU during certain years or maybe, like, Florida in, like, the late 2000s that they didn't play good teams, even though they did play good teams at a conference, because they're just so good. Like, I mean, this sounds, like, really pretentious to say it like this, but literally, like, Alabama plays a solid out-of-conference team to open up the season every year. They've done this every year since Saban was the head coach. Uh, since since he was hired, right, and like the the Big Ten and a lot of other conferences don't be scheduling. You know, I mean, you know, for example, Michigan, Michigan and Wisconsin have played Alabama to open the season, and they got both got trounced. Like they both got wrecked. Like okay, so so where's Ohio State at? Where's you know where's Clemson at? Where or in, you know I mean it goes it goes all the way across from coast to coast. Um, I mean USC stepped up and got that ass beat. Um, it's but Oregon doesn't step up, right? So right. I always think it's funny that like the top programs, there's like a lot of people that give Alabama guff or or SEC teams guff for that, but like a lot of the top programs around the country outside of Alabama or I mean outside of the SEC are not doing really that, do that though. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like I said, I don't think it matters all that much. I think it's I think it's kind of just a a symbol, uh, you know, of a hey, we're not rolling over. Like okay, sure. Right. You know, good job, guys. Um, but and I'm not really rooting for any outcome here. I'm not rooting for the SEC to to dominate college football. I'm not rooting for for the for the alliance to fail or or whatever that looks like. I truly am just like rolling my eyes at a lot of the decisions that are being made at this point because they kind of feel arbitrary in the context of 
what's actually going to come next, which is going to be teams continuing to splinter off and new conferences being formed. Um, or, you know, not new conferences, but, but super conferences being formed. Right. Well, I think the, the funniest thing with that, that keeps getting me about this alliance and everything that's been breaking about it now, um, stemming off of the, the super conference talk, is like, the if you, if you thought the Big 12 was down bad before, they're really down bad now because they, they were not involved in any of this alliance talk. They went to the ACC, the Big 10, Pac-12. They looked at them. They looked at the Big 12 as like the last pick going to the kickball team and they decided now nah, we'd rather play with eight people than nine we're good we don't need the pac 12 or the, I, the big 12 I mean, i'm i am fully convinced fully committed to the idea that yeah pretty much the big 12 is going they're gonna to be, they're gonna dissolve like I, it, yeah. I think it's inevitable right like this yeah. is and it sucks that stinks because what are we are, are we are we really gonna have to watch baylor in like the in the in the american the aac or something like that I, I I mean I have no clue about Baylor. I mean I I personally feel like Iowa State's a lock for the Big Ten. I feel like Oklahoma State's a lock for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I feel like man maybe actually you know, I could see maybe they could they could somehow somehow stretch Baylor into the Pac-12. They could somehow pa- pa- Texas Tech and Baylor feel like Pac-12 to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I feel like both of them can go Pac-12. I feel like, but then you have like. I mean, West Virginia feels like ACC to me. Like that that like that, that or that or maybe West Virginia goes back to the back to the Big East. I think I I don't think so. I think they I think they know that they're like a a legitimate college football program. Like at this point, like over the past two decades, they've kind of proven that like they can play at the at not like it's not like a case of like oh you have to be good enough to play at the top level because there's plenty of bad teams that play in those biggest conferences but i think they like being in the big conference after they've gotten a taste of that money and stuff and so i think they're going to do everything in their power to either be in the big 10 or the acc um so yeah i mean the big 12 just dissolving at this point it's just everyone's going to go their separate ways and that's going to be that um but you know uh r.i.p r.i.p the big 12 yeah i mean it sucks, you know. RP to no defense. RP to fifty-five to forty-three. You know, every week they were. It was funny. I was at the gym yesterday, and they were showing a uh, a graphic about Oklahoma. They were talking about the Oklahoma Texas move, so it wasn't really Big Twelve stuff. But they were showing Oklahoma's offensive dominance in the Big Twelve since like twenty seventeen, yeah, something like crazy. that. Real, I mean, it really been longer, but they just they narrowed it to twenty seventeen. Like I, I think their their points per game was averaging like. 34 35 over the course of like four seasons which is fucking crazy the clo- the second closest was Iowa State who was 10 points behind at 24 so just like it, it, it's unreal to see how much dominance Oklahoma's had in the big 12 and and, and, the, and the the stats went on and on and on but that was just the big number I remember being able to take away from that and um, like even and it's funny too because really you're not even Texas is not the number it's really not been that number two team out of the Big Twelve it's been Iowa State but yet Texas because of their brand gets they basically just get to to hang off the coattail success of Oklahoma and and hold kind of hold their hand into the into the SEC Super Conference so to speak while Iowa State as you said probably going to the Big Ten which you yeah. know makes sense yeah but. I mean Iowa State's definitely a program that's definitely been on the ups over the past half decade and and really over the past like I would say like 
Because Iowa State was so bad the majority of my childhood, and then like when I started to get in my teen years, past like ten years or so, they they've, snapped. They've kind of they've kind of at least been good. Um, and Alabama will forever owe Iowa State for beating Oklahoma State in that 2011 season, allowing uh, Alabama to go play LSU again in the national title. Um, that sucked. But but uh, but yeah, uh, it's you know rest in peace Big Twelve. Good luck to the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. I hope you find what you're looking for. I hope it helps. And I, and I, <laughs> you know, and I would prefer that it's not a segmented college football world where you know the SEC is only going to be playing SEC teams and and what have you because they're not even part of the NCAA. But you know, it's it, it does kind of feel like you know the the those three conferences are committed to the NCAA right now, whereas the SEC, I think it's pretty clear. That they are way less like concerned about being an NCA affiliated thing, come you know twenty thirty maybe twenty thirty five. Yeah, mean, that's what's crazy about this too is that this is really this has been going and like er, this has been going for like a decade and a half, like ever since expansions were really first talked about, and it still feels like we're going to be seeing this for another fifteen you know ten to fifteen years of. How does this actually shake out? And where, when the dust settles, I don't think that's in five years. I think the dust isn't settling until, like I said, ten to fifteen years from now, which is crazy. But that's where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that just about wraps up there. I got nothing else to add there. If anything else comes up, obviously we'll keep you up to date. But pick your alliance, choose your side. Are you going to the Super Conference or the Alliance? All right, the Rebellion. Or the, or the Death Star, the Galactic Empire. Choose your side, I guess. Um, the Death Star. It's yep. fun. Yeah, just c- come over to the dark side. It's it's <laughs> the, the, the air is rare up here. Um, let's talk a little baseball, Ev. And God, no! The Angels, bro, they stinky. You know why they stink? Because, again, not only do we lose on the Little League World Series stage in, bunch of a front, in, in front of a bunch of kids, the Baltimore Orioles, the laughing stock of the MLB, they lost 19 games in a row. A perfect opportunity for the Angels to win three games and get above 500 and tease their fans that maybe they're going to make a late playoff push, even though they're so far, so far away from that. What do they do, dog? They lose to the Baltimore they Orioles. Lost. 19 games in a row that they've lost, but yet the Orioles find a way to beat the Angels with with Shohei Otani starting. God damn. Damn it, bro. Cedric Mullins took that first pitch over center. Um, this this fucking team, dog. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. And then my MLB The Show career legend Anthony Santander also <laughs> took it away. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen at some point. And, of course, it happens to the Angels. I mean, it just it only makes sense based on how their season is going. And, and um you know, it is unfortunate. I do feel for you, Dom. I do feel for Angels fans. But also, I feel like if this had happened and you guys were maybe like four games closer to the wild card, five games closer to the wild card, it would have stung so much more. Yeah, probably. And, and, and to be fair, I did say last episode, I did say I'm out. I threw in the towel on the Angels. I am out on the Angels. But I was hoping that we could finish the season, you know, a couple games above 500. I know but we're not going to track on the Mariners and even remotely close to the AL wild card. But I was hoping we'd maybe get like five games above 500. But, I mean, even that's now becoming such a far fucking stretch. It is. And, uh... And it, it, it sucks. That being said, you know, the one thing you can always hang your hat on is that you can still be an Orioles fan. I mean, I know they're they're technically winners <laughs> right now. 
But, you know, as someone who has a soft spot for the Orioles, I can't imagine being a diehard Orioles fan and just having to, like, watch this team lose 19 straight games and, and just be absolutely... Trash. Hey, tickets so must bad. have been cheap. You know, you could you could have oh, called you could have called pops and your dad up and went, "Hey, Orioles trip round two. Maybe that's well, why we needed you that's there." What's, that, that's what's funny is that the the last time I went to an Orioles game was against the Angels. Um, so there you go. And uh, Mike Trout made the most amazing one of his most Mike highlight made, career plays ever. Yeah, he made one of his all time great plays. You can so. t- you can tell your dad and pops and say this to you like that. You guys need to. I'll pay for your first class flight to Baltimore tonight. We need a win. Go get your ass to Baltimore. I'll pay for everything. Yeah, I'll use that down and out game. money. Um, yeah, it's it's uh it's tough times for you, Dom, and I'm and I'm sorry. Um, I uh, I wish I wish the Angels were good, uh, but they're not. So it just stinks. Um, it stinks to have such the the face a lot of faces the MLB on one team. And granted, the biggest face is not playing right now and hasn't been playing. And at this point, don't come back, Mike. Just just rest rest your rest your hamstring, your leg, whatever the hell is bugging you. Just rest it up, and and we'll, we'll get back next year, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe the bullpen will come full circle with us finally. Who the hell? Who the hell knows? But um, I'm just it just sucked. It just like I was watching that game in the beginning. I was like, well, we got down early, but then we took the lead back. I was like, okay, yeah, it's the Orioles. We're fine. And I told Evan before we started the show, I fully expected us to get to 20, but I was like, it won't go to 21. We'll lose when we – it'll lose on the final game. That's when we'll blow it. I didn't think we were going to blow it with Shohei, but here we are. Um, that also officially brought the Angels' playoff chances from point from point one when we last looked at the standings on Monday to point zero zero zero. It is finally over. <laughs> the Angels are not going to make the playoffs, so I threw in the towel before it was officially zero. So again, I win. I do win there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate and it stinks. But speaking of the standings, though. Here lies the Angels. Rest in peace. Yeah, but speaking of the standings, though, Evan, because obviously it's a good time to give a little standings update here, the AL East is ramping the fuck up. And that's because you want to talk about a team who's doing the opposite of the Baltimore Orioles. And this is – I don't know whether it's good for baseball or bad for baseball at this point, but the Yankees have won 11 in a row, and holy shit, my guy, they look fucking good. I think it's good for baseball. I know, like that's I, what I'm. That's what I'm, le- and it hurts to say, but I'm kind of leaning that way too. I'm with you. I think. I think you know. I'm not saying the Yankees always need to be involved, but it's it's definitely one of those things that when the Yankees are playing in the playoffs, it it's I don't know. There's some extra some extra powwow on that. Like there's a little bit extra. The storylines are always going to be better. It, 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 it's always going to create better storylines and better also, drama. Say what you want. You want to hate on the Yankees all day? I get it. I totally understand. That being said, this fucking Yankees team is fun as fuck. And saying otherwise is just, you know, being petty. Because if you don't think a team that, if they run out their quote-unquote Death Star lineup, they're, if they don't run out, it, when they eventually just fully commit to it, when Boone fully commits to having Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Luke Voigt, all, and Joey Gallo, and Anthony Rizzo, all fucking hitting yeah. the same lineup. I mean, that that's crazy. Like, that's that's that to me is exciting because they're either going to strike the fuck out or they're going to hit tanks. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's I mean, that's, all, it is all or nothing with the with the Angels. Or the Yankees, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, and so, and they're playing good ball. 
They've had, like, I mean, Caden Valesquez has been, like, a really fun part of their season, too. He's from the Bronx. He's a kid from the Bronx. From the Bronx, baby. Grew up watching the Yankees. He's a he little loves kid from the Pence. Yanks. He <laughs> loves it. Uh, but, but so, I mean, he, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of different little storylines with that team. They're really fun right now. They score a lot of runs. They have, you know, their pitching starting to find itself, but it's still suspect enough that you're like, oh shit, the Yankees could, you know, if they win, if they win the World Series or if they go to the World Series, it's gonna have to take a lot of fucking runs being scored. Well, that, so. but that, that's kind of the thing I was just thinking in my head though. I'm like, well, it, 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 the Yankees are obviously have some head scratches beyond Garrett Cole because even Aroldis Chapman has proved that he's not this the surefire closer anymore. He can be, he does blow saves pretty frequently, but. It, if, if you're a Yankee fan, you're saving graces. You've got to feel really good. You're like, yeah, we can surrender five, six runs a game, and we'll be okay because our bats will literally could score us eight, nine runs at, at, at any yeah. given moment, and not and not just over the course of like a nine inning game. Like they could put up that number in three to four innings, very, yeah, very no quickly, doubt. and it could get very, very out of hand. But, but you know, as 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 sexy as the Yankees are right now, you know, it's uh, the 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 other side of that coin has just been that the Rays continue to do what they need to to maintain that division lead with a with I believe like four and a half games now, um, which is like still the Yankees have closed in on them a bit, but the fact that they still have a four and a half game lead is a testament to how good the Rays are at just winning games. And the thing is, is that the Rays definitely have a talented team. There's no question. But they also just seem to always overperform or always seem to, like, find talent in, like, not unlikely spots, but when they need to find the talent. Like, Wander Franco was always, like, a major prospect ever since he got he came into the league. But he's, like, absolutely become that dude for them this year. And, you know, I, I it's... It's 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 going to be a fun race to the finish. I think the race will still hold out, but the Yankees are basically running away with the wild card at this point. And um, then and then you got to think right behind them. You have Boston, who is a game and a half up in the wild card. But don't don't like don't blink, because the ALS has two teams coming for their jaw, and the A's are a game and a half back, and then the Mariners are two and a half back, and then you have the fucking Blue Jays again, another East team, four and a half, and I think that's really. Because then you're getting to the Indians and Angels who are eight and nine back. So let's just not let's not ask, talk about yeah, the them. Yeah, central but. the central is especially like the central. There's nothing to talk about the AL central. Like it's just the White Sox. You, 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 yeah, you mean you mean the AL White Sox? The AL White Sox, and then everybody <laughs> else is just like mediocre at best. Um, I, I've been waiting all show to say that one. I don't know the why. AL White Sox. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a great one, Dom. We all loved it. Um, but uh, but. But you know, I mean, with with uh, with the Red Sox, I feel like they're trending the wrong way. Still, like they just got beat by um, they one. They had like a couple of bad. They've just had some bad losses. They get swept by the Yankees, of course. Like last week, that was like such a huge deal. And I just I don't know if they're if they're going to be able to finish strong enough to to maintain a wild card spot. I also don't know if the Athletics are. I mean, the Athletics have also not exactly trended well. This could be a scenario where we see the Mariners. Like the Mariners, on the other hand, are seven and three in their last ten. Have played really well. Their pitching's kind of coming to its own. I'm a big. Uh, I like a, a few of the Mariners players, like a big Mitch Haniger guy. Like they, 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 they're they're kind of moving right. And yeah, like, I, and and this is the part of the season where the Mariners always do the Mariners shit, and they always start to blow it. But they're actually 
pretty much beating the narrative right now. Granted, there are the, if if you get the Mariners on the road, that that's a little bit of a question mark because their home record is. is Far and away better than their than their uh, yeah, away record. So, but that being said, though, this is and I mean, and our good friend Jordan Hansen could be the first to t- person to tell you this, along with Bruce Saylor, uh, like diehard Mariner fans that we know. This is where the Mariners are always going to blow whatever shot they have, but they've already blown it by this point. They they they, they would they have they, they would have done what the Athletics are doing. They would have lost four straight games at this point. The fact that they're on a three-game winning streak, seven and three in their last ten, and a game back of the A's for for the second spot, and a two and a half back of the wild card with the Red Sox plummeting, yeah, I'd, I I I would put put some chips on on the Mariners and the roulette table. Definitely put some chips there. And guess what? The Mariners are a fun team to get in, in October. Really, yeah, really fun I mean, team. They're a team that I feel like if they get there, they could be dangerous. Whereas I don't know if the Athletics could be dangerous if they get there. Well, think about this too, though. And before we go to the NL, think about this AL wild card, right? Assuming that the Rays continue to keep the distance and they go win the crown, right, for the in, in the East, the Yankees or Mariners, whoever wins that wild card matchup, the road to the World Series for them is fucking brutal. Because not only are you going to have to take down the Yankees or Mariners, right? Tough wild card game to begin with. Let's just say the Yankees win for all intents and purposes. Yankees then have to go beat the Rays in their yeah. in the in the in the division series, and then they're more than likely going to go have to beat the fucking Astros. The AL like that's a gauntlet. That sucks. That does suck for yeah. the wild card team because they don't probably don't deserve it. But they're going to have to go again an absolute gauntlet to go get the AL pennant. It's simply different than like you know it's it's a different scenario from the NL to transition because in the NL wild card the Dodgers are obviously like the Dodgers are playoff locked. I mean mm-hmm. they're they're going because they're eleven games ahead. Most of definitely. The, the, yeah, but but then also you know they may the it, it, the Giants are doing what the Rays are doing in the AL East where the Giants continue to just win games. They're like they're kind of they they feel like the mirrored teams of each other because. The, the Giants, like, don't have a ton of huge-name stars on their team, but they just have a bunch of guys that just, like, execute. Like, guys that are going to keep, you know, keep above 250, not going to crack 300, going to play good defense. They've got a solid pitching rotation. They've got a solid bullpen, and they just don't lose games. So they've been maintaining that lead over the Dodgers, but if the Dodgers end up in a wild-card game, that's, like, so nuts like for whoever has to play them like to be like oh we well we suck in with the wild card we probably are going to be evenly matched and then right. it's like, fuck we have to play what is arguably the most talented team in baseball um so so and then obviously i mean right now really the story of that in a wild card race is that the padres have just like they're dead in the water like i've i've already kind of called the padres dead and they're you only blew it back. I, they're, they're only one game back of the NL wild card, but that team looks like they have no juice right now. And yeah, like, they've lost. That's and it sucks, bro. They've really lost that juice. They've lost that spark. They they've lost that. Pitching, what made pitching, them really fun? They invested in their pitching staff this season, and it didn't pay off. I mean, they haven't really had any major returns from any of their 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 major signings to 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 throw the ball. And then on top of that, I mean, Tatis has been hurt a bit, so that doesn't help. And, you know, some of the guys that you were hoping, okay, well, maybe this is the year that, you know, they, they fully, like, lock in, like, maybe a Kyle Hosmer or what have you. No, I mean, still not quite there. And, 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 and there's just not quite enough talent 
on the uh, you know across the board for them, even though they're they're starting to fully commit to this idea of winning now. Um, and yeah, they're falling out. They're only one game back of the Reds, but they play such a tough schedule that I just don't see them being able to come back at this point. Whereas the Reds kind of have a somewhat reasonable schedule going in uh, going into the you know the last weeks of the season and. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I it's it's crazy to think about because it doesn't seem like the Reds are that much of a playoff team. But, I mean, they're there right now. And uh, they're, they're Absolutely. also just – they're like the Giants. They're, they're just winning games when they – Yeah, I mean, the, it, um, talk about – just so everybody knows what Evan's talking about with the Padres' remaining schedule. I mean, they still have – they have a three-game series against Houston, a three-game series against the Dodgers – they have seven games within two weeks against the, the San against the San Francisco coming up in September. Oh, and by the way, they close out their season on the road. <laughs> Wait, actually, hold on. They close out their season. The Padres do on a six-game road stand. And Evan, take a shot at the two teams they have to play on the road. Giants, Dodgers. Yep. <laughs> Brutal. I mean, it, oh, it that is. stinks. It is so so. Why? I mean, that is that's part of playing in the NL West, but it's also just like you. They needed to. They needed to go stock up on wins. They needed to when they were doing their interleague play. When they were playing, you know, the rest of the NL, they needed to go stock up on wins. Right. And they and, they, and they didn't. They blew yeah. it. So I mean, it's it's now feeling like there's no way back for them. At least for me. Who knows? I mean, they're good enough that they can go win some of those series. They definitely can. Yeah, because I well, because but I'm but, but I'm looking I'm looking at at Cincinnati right now. You get my like you're finishing up your series against Milwaukee, which is really tough. They, they, they That's might the get toughest team. You they might get, they might get swept by Milwaukee. That's gonna wrap up um, wrap up today uh, by the time this podcast gets released. But then you get you get a three game road stand against Miami, very winnable to come up with three. Then you're getting six games at home, St. Louis, Detroit. And then towards the end of the season, right, your toughest your toughest series that you're going to have wrapping up the season if you're the Reds is middle of September. You have a three-game homestand against the Dodgers. But then you get to finish, wrap that up with homestands, a long-ass homestand with Pittsburgh, the Nationals, a quick two-game series at the White Sox, which is difficult, but then you wrap up the series away at Pittsburgh. Very much so. This is all. This is Cincinnati's wild card spot to blow. There yeah, should be nobody me, who comes and touches them. For me personally, between the, the 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 Cardinals, kind of were charging there for a little bit, but they're fading pretty hard now too. Um, so definitely need to be thinking two at least two against the Cardinals. Definitely be thinking two against the Marlins. And the Reds can do it. They've been doing it all season. Um, they're they're a solid team. They're not great, but they're definitely solid. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I feel for the Padres, and I definitely like you know I like Tatis a lot. I like the Padres a lot, but it's just it's not. It doesn't. It, it feels like it's a little too late at this point to really do much. And and um and yeah, I mean, and then you know you have the NL East. We haven't even gotten to yet, which has been which was crazy there for a while. But after the Braves won eight straight and the Phillies dropped like seven of ten. Uh, the and the Mets are, just continue to do Mets things. Mets are just like free falling. Like Tom Petty, Alexa play Tom Petty's free falling. Like literally, it is. <laughs> and then Alexa goes, "You want season recap on New York Mets?" Mets yes, yeah, exactly. Ja- a- Jacob Degrom will not is is yeah, but it's uh, it's it's tough to watch. I mean, I don't really care for the Mets, but but it's even tough to watch in that regard because it is bad. Um, 
the Phillies were trying to get in that mix for a second there, and then they have also faded. And even though the Braves ended their winning streak and lost two straight to the Yankees in their two-game little set, uh, they're still up by five games. So it's fine. Um, the Braves are going to win the NL East, and that feels good. Yeah, and the in the Central, the Brewers running away with it, up nine and a half on the Reds. Uh, there's nothing. Brewers nothing are else. legit. I mean, they're we've said this before, but and and it's not like a hot take or anything, but the Brewers are very real. I mean, that pitching staff is is already noted for being really good. Christian Yelich seems like he's getting hot at the perfect time. Which is going to be fun. It, it's, it's just fun to have big names in October, and you're going to oh, yeah. get Christian Yelich. So, obviously, that's a, that's a win for baseball. I don't care if you're yeah. a Brewers fan or you hate him. That's a win for baseball right there. Most def. And uh, so, you know, if they're also not – if they haven't even peaked yet and they're still going to do that, I mean, the Brewers are going to be very, very fucking tough. Uh, uh, come it come you know late September early October and uh, and um, we'll 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 see if you know that's ne- that means that they're good enough to hang with like the Dodgers in that type of scenario or if they're good enough to even hang with like you know I mean they if they you know I could see a, a series against like the Braves or something that they could go loose I still could see them doing right that. but they definitely have enough talent to really make a push to really make a run. So, I uh, and and I, I don't know why, but I have I, I I wouldn't mind seeing the Dodgers or I mean seeing the Brewers make a run. You know I don't want to see the Braves lose, but but if there was another NL team I had to pick to like make that run, it'd either be the Brewers or maybe the Giants. But yeah, just because uh, the Giants haven't it has, it's been a while. It's been a little bit of time since we've seen both teams kind of make that run. So I, I'm kind of with the you Brewers there. Brewers have never been great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Brewers have, like, one of the worst, like, playoff, like, records in, like, Very the history true. of baseball. But the Giants, obviously, I mean, they got fat on World Series, you know, in the early 2010s, late 2000s or whatever. So, I, you know, they at least aren't that far removed from success. But, you know, the, the Giants are also a team that why I'm rooting for the Giants is because, like I said, they don't have major stars. I mean, I guess Chris Bryant's there now, so you can count that. But, you know, even then. You know they're not a team filled with just huge names, so um, they're, they're definitely fun to watch in that way. But yeah, baseball's getting good. So yeah. the best time of year to be uh, watching baseball. The next like probably two months. You know, yeah, from this point. You know, so uh, here's the baseball. Absolutely, wild card races heating up. We'll keep you updated as always here on Down and Out. All right, a couple things up to wrap up the show. We're gonna go back to our uh, our new our new segment that we've debuted a few times. It's called Take a Side. We dive into the world of sports rivalries. We pick a side. We talk about it. We debate on it. It's all in good fun. As always, get involved with us on Twitter, Down and Out Podcast. Talk about what rivalries you want to hear us talk about. We're going over to the football. We're going over to the gridiron. And uh, we're going to talk a little Bears-Packers, one of the best rivalries in all of football, especially if you're an NFC North fan. You're welcome for talking about this one. Evan and I have already uh, come to a disagreement on, on who we like in this in this situation, but I'll go ahead and start. Listen, Packers are the better team. All right. If, we, were, we weren't born in the 80s, Evan. All right. We, we don't get to talk about the 85 Bears. So we get to talk about what we've seen in our lifetime, and that's been the Packers. After Every year after 2006, the Packers have ran that division, other than maybe a, a smattering a year or two where the Vikings uh, decided they wanted to be good. But the Packers, better team, more more entertaining, and currently right now, at least you know that if you're a Packers fan, you're the Packers. 
you're not having a quarterback controversy issue anymore. You have a you have the you know arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. If you're the Packers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, feels good to be the Packers. It's their division to lose this year in the NFC North, so that's why I'm just gonna always take the Packers too. I I think they're just a, a better team to watch, and you know. The Bears are the Bears are the only thing they're fun to watch about is watch them you know double doinks right like the, the demise of the Bears watching them blow games that they shouldn't that's the Bears are like the New York Mets of the NFL world it's just fun to watch them lose. Yeah, I uh, I differ from Dom here. I actually kind of lean more towards the uh, towards the Bears on this one. This is one that I will say this is like less of us having super strong opinions here, but just. It's kind of, you know, the point of the segment, too, is just to, to feel out, like, a rivalry like this. And and uh, for me, personally, yeah, I get what you're saying of of what we've seen in our lifetime. Definitely, definitely, uh, the, the Packers have been the better team. You know, there's no question about that. There's no debate there. That being said, that 1985 Packer, Packers team is something that I was taught a lot about growing up because for whatever reason, random 85, family 80, members. 85 Bears. 85, yeah, 85 Bears. Wow, sorry. But uh, but <laughs> I got you. But but that was a that was a team that you know Jim McMahon you know it was was kind of like I don't know. Whenever I watch highlights of that that squad, whenever I watch highlights of that team, it's it just seems like they rocked. And I like Aaron Rodgers a ton. I really do. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't like the Packers, so I think I'm vindicated. <laughs> I think I'm vindicated, and 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 whatever. And and you know, shout out to our boy Drew, which uh, a while ago we actually need to do some cleanup business because our buddy Drew is a big Packers fan. He's also a big uh, Diamondbacks fan. That's and tough. Tyler Gilbert threw a uh, a no hitter for the Diamondbacks, and we didn't even bring it up on the podcast, and he was upset. So this is our official apology. Sorry, um, Drew. I love you. Sorry, Drew. We love you. And uh, and you know, I I definitely don't have anything against the Packers per se. Like it's not even like I have like a, oh man, fuck the Packers, whatever. But I definitely have always. I think it comes down as simple too that I've always thought the Bears looked cleaner. I don't know what it is, but I'm not. I do not like the yellow and green one bit. Like I've never dug it. Like I've never been into it. I know a lot of people dig it. But for me personally, I've never dug that. I think I just enjoy that navy and uh, the the orange tint. It's more of an orange detail than it is orange as the main color. Like that's the issue I have with like, yeah. Auburn and stuff like that. Is like because those are Auburn colors at the end of the day. Well, if, 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 if we want to get into the colors thing, yeah, I'll I'll definitely side with the Bears there too because I hate green and yellow. As a fan of the Angels who hates the Athletics, like yeah, I hate the the green and yellow color scheme. When I think sure. about recent Alabama players, I mean. You can't talk about this without talking about Eddie Jackson being just absolutely insane right. for the Bears. Well, meanwhile, I mean, with with the Packers, there's definitely plenty of Alabama players that have gone through there over the years. I mean, but really, you know, the past, like, decade or two, it's Eddie Lacy. Um, it's, it's probably the most memorable Packers that played there. Other than, I guess, like, haha. Ha Ha Clinton Dix played there as well, but he, he didn't do all that well, you know what I mean? So... Um, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's the other way that I kind of factor into like having soft spots or not having soft spots for NFL teams is how much is Alabama connected with them. Um, Packers do, I will say have Bart Starr, rest in peace, who was, you know, their first Super Bowl winner, quarterback and, and went to Alabama all those years ago. Um, 
But but I don't know. I just I've never I've never been super positive about the Packers. Uh, but I have definitely, on the other hand, been there. Have definitely been times where, like when the Bears were good in 2018, I wanted the Bears uh, to to do something. I wanted them to be in the Super Bowl. And and I and Evan, I did too. I really like the 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 12 and 4 team uh, going against the 9 and 7 Eagles that year. You know, Khalil Mack having a breakout year. Uh, I, I was super fun, loved it. But what I, what that game and Cody Parkey's uh, double doing taught me is that it is so much fun to watch and and cheer for the demise of a, of somebody like the Bears. Because watching Bears fans lose their marbles and go into a, a state of depression, I am diabolically, diabolically admitting that that was very, very funny. And it was hilarious to watch the Eagles go win a Super Bowl because of a double doink. That was awesome. Yeah. That was so yeah. – and, and that's because I'm diabolical because the Bills had not made the playoffs after making it the year prior, and everybody was wondering, you know, is Josh the truth? I'm just a Bills fan. It was just it, – it, it, I'm just spreading my misery to other people. So my mindset was a little bit different. But that that is what shaped me in this argument is like – it's so much fun to watch the Bears lose, so I'm going to take the Packers. In I this think case. a big thing for me too is is uh, I mean I was you know now that I think about it more and more as a as a child I was definitely like so big on Devin Hester. I was such a Devin Hester guy, and I think we all were. I think everybody liked Devin Hester. Yeah, that's I I would say that. I mean, he's and, the most and, the most electric person in that position like in our in our lifetime, and maybe that we'll ever see. And the the Super Bowl kick return for the touchdown. I mean, there is very few Super Bowl moments that that the losing team made a legendary play that people remember. Like people still. But now I guarantee you, did any football fan, if you went, hey, do you remember when Devin Hester took it to the house to open up the Super Bowl against the Colts? They would go, yeah. It was crazy. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. But you know, all for not. Um, you know, uh, it's it's and also I think another soft spot I can think of right now too for me personally with the the, the Bears is is you know I I would love for Allen Robinson to still be a Jaguar but he left and it wasn't his fault like that was to me like fully just it just was what it was and he kind of had to go and I root for him every time I see him every time I see Allen Robinson playing for the for the Bears I'm like stoked I'm like yeah dude. Um, you know, please, please go off. Please go have a 400 yard season. Um, but, uh, but so, yeah. And I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like we said, this is one of those that I don't think the, the opinions are as strong on. And the NFC North is kind of weird. We could have almost just done pick a side with the NFC North because like the lions and lions and Packers have had some legendary games. The lions or the the Vikings and Packers have obviously had some legendary games. Yeah, it's Packers kinda, Lions. The, that was one of the first hail marys we ever got to see was Packers Lions. Aaron Rodgers chucking it up in Den- in in Detroit. I think on Thanksgiving. I think that game. Yeah, was. yeah, legendarily so. And uh, and you know it's funny because it's like every it's kind of like everyone with the Packers. It's not like the Bears and the Lions have like this storied rivalry or the Bears and the Vikings have a storied rivalry. Right. The NFC North is just like that. Like, it's just one of the oldest. It has some of the oldest teams that's been around forever. 
and and uh, those teams have always pretty much played each other. So and you're right, a, and and, an and, and, and a central and you're right, a central core root of that is because the Packers have had so much storied success over the the history of their franchise that they've just they've created some really great epic matchups and epic rivalries. So again, you have the yeah, that's kind of why I side with the Packers a little bit is because they've created so help create some really really awesome kick-ass NFL rivalries. And I will say as as I think I can speak for you in the fact, yeah, you know, I think you were getting to it was the fact that you know, we're fans of teams not from the NFC North. We get the outside perspective. NFC North division games are awesome. They are extremely fun to watch, especially late season when it's miserably cold, like a snow game at Lambeau, when it's Packers-Bears with something on the line, like week 16, 15. That shit's awesome. That is awesome football. I will say the Packers definitely do have the advantage with Lambeau. I mean, I've heard Soldier Field is also incredible, but I, and I haven't been to either. But, I mean, Lambeau is like, you know, I mean, it's hallowed ground. It's, yeah. It's a it's a special place. My dad, my dad's been to both. I need to to see which. I, I'm pretty sure he would say Lambo, but I need to see if he if what he what he thinks of of both. I think the only time he's been to Soldier Field though was for Army Navy, so it's a little bit of a stilted uh, right. kind of question, I guess. But the one time he went to Lambo, the Jacksonville goddamn Jaguars beat the Packers in <laughs> the snow in Lambo. Uh, it was like probably 15 years ago, but yeah, memories. Don't ever tell a jaguar um, he can't live in the snow. We a yeah, snow lion. We snow cats. Snow leopard. Uh, but but yeah, snow jaguar. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I think we're we're about done there. Um, and uh, and you know, no diss to Packers fans, no diss to to Bears fans. We're just taking a side. Yes. Boom. What a way. What a way to end that. All right. Uh, that that. That does that. Let's let's wrap it up here, Evan. I, I, I'm going for your approval. I want to I want to share with you my fantasy football team I drafted last night, and I want I want to get a rating. This is I have three leagues I'm in this year. This is draft number one I was able to complete last night. Uh, snake style draft. I was the it's a ten person league. Let's get all the parameters out. I was drafting six. So I don't really I don't like drafting in the middle. Um, I'd rather be either at the top or at the bottom, honestly, and get a one and one. But I digress. Let me let's start my quarterback. Starting quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, okay. Quarterbacks went fast. Uh, Patrick, for for instance, Josh Allen was taking in the second round. Patrick Mahomes in the third round. Kyler Murray third round. Uh, so quarterbacks went very fast here. So Justin Herbert, running back one. Alvin Kamara. Okay. Josh Jacobs. Okay. DK Metcalf. Okay. Justin Jefferson. Okay. Tight end Robert Tanyan. All right. Tight ends, tight ends went fast. Oh, what happened? I clicked an ad. That's not what I wanted. Um, flex, T. Higgins. Interesting. Defense, Steelers. Okay. Kicker, Jason Sanders. Okay. And um. I- Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go do the start. I'll read off my bench in a minute. What do you think about my starting lineup here? I think I think there's a lot of upside. I definitely don't think you're probably. I don't know what everybody else's teams look like, but I don't think you're the favorite. In no, the definitely not. I'm actually projected to finish uh, second to last currently right now. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely. That's kind of what I was thinking, but but I mean, you know, Justin Jefferson could definitely have a monster year again. Um, I think 
I think T. Higgins is a choice, but I'm guessing you were just trying to get somebody in there at that point. Um, you know, I just I don't know about T. Higgins. I don't know if 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 that Bengals offense is going to be especially good anyways. Right. And I also don't know if it's going to Jamar Chase hasn't looked good in the preseason, but you know he's going to get target. He's you know he's going to get a lot of targets. So right. I'm just I'm I'm curious, but but that's my only real complaints right now. All right, well, to my bench. So I do have some depth. My bench, uh, first running back, rookie Javante Williams. Uh, okay. Coming in there out of North Carolina. You know, question mark there. My Arguably probably somebody who I could throw in between T. Higgins is uh, I have Jerry Judy on my bench right now. I definitely would, yeah. That's, in, that's I, I, I would be very quick to, to like, I you know, if you feel confident in T. Higgins, you'd definitely go with it, but. It would not take much for me to to start Judy. I'm obviously biased with the Alabama stuff, but I definitely feel like if him and Teddy Bridgewater are clicking, he's going to be the number one guy on that team. Right. And and uh, and it's going to go off. So, but Good yeah, no. Uh, another running back, James Conner, fell way low because he's on a new team now. So I got him for. I thought it was a bargain. It's a good guy just to at least yeah, have on that bench. A, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, he'll probably get second reps behind Chase Edmonds, but he'll yeah. still get there. My backup QB is Baker. Yeah, solid. I like Baker um, And my backup tight end, Eric Ebron, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's solid. I mean, that's, uh, you know, obviously Ebron is, it's 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 kind of a weird thing with him. He's kind of a feast or famine guy, famously, like always. Right. But uh, that doesn't mean that he can't, you know, he can't, uh, you know, have have those games or or what have you. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Dom. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna, gonna it's gonna be interesting. I will read you off. I think this team you're gonna like. This is my buddy Peep. Uh, my buddy lives in Jacksonville, um, and his team name again is Minshew's Mustache. Cool. Uh, his starting quarterback Patrick Mahomes. His running okay. back Derek Henry. Sheesh. Then James Robinson. Sheesh. Wide receiver. Allen Robinson. Sheesh. Wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. Sheesh. Tight end, Evan Engram. Yeah, okay. Flex, Juju. Nice. Defense, Browns, kicker, Graham Gano. His be- now, his, his, he has Jamar Chase on his bench right now. Jarvis Landry, yeah. Devonta Smith, and then he has Chase Edmonds and Jamal Williams as backup running backs. Yeah, he. That's definitely the team I would rather have between y'all's two teams. I'm yeah, being no, honest. and he, he's but. he's the team everybody because he wasn't on our Discord chat last night, so he was drafting. Him and two other guys were drafting in silence, uh, and we looked at his team after and went, "How in the fuck did he pull that off?" Low key yeah. drafted an extreme. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, we were like, we were kind of pissed. I was pissed. I was like, damn it! And I was like. Thought I had an okay team, but not compared to that anymore. I feel like a, think like a dumpster fire. Uh, my my biggest question mark is uh, is Justin. Honestly, I I, I just I don't know what the step because if Justin takes the right step, I picked up a you know like if it's like last year, I'm in the clear. I fucking feel great. But if it's if it's not there, um, you know it's not there, and that's that's unfortunate because I went I drafted Herbert I think in the fifth. So I I I, I, re- I think I reached for him, but I wanted well, him because well, it was either that, that or Russell. Yeah, I do think that Herbert's not a bad pick there. I definitely think he will go get his. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is that you drafted a lot of guys that I could very much see 
like doing the damn thing this year, like Herbert, like Jefferson, like Josh Jacobs. Those guys can have really big years. They're poised to, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they haven't done it yet. Like, or I mean, Jefferson did it, and Herbert did had like they both had insane rookie years. But there's always second year kind of concerns as right. as the rest of the league gets used to it. And then with Jacobs, it's like okay, he's definitely shown that he belongs in the NFL. But you know, is are the Raiders going to be you know good enough for him to you know to uh, to to do it to to not just get like four yards of carry, but to have some like breakout you know runs and and some big ass plays and how incorporated will he be in the the passing game? He's definitely a solid pass catcher, but they got other guys that can do that too. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely room for, 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 like I said, upside. It's just a matter of, you know, will that happen or not? There's, it's, it's a little bit risky, but I could also, I could see yourself ended up being, you know, making the playoffs, making a run, you know, I mean, well, the nice thing, this league is very much, um, it's, it's playoff heavy because it's, it's a 10 league team, but it's an 18 playoff because the bit, and that's the reason it's because it's more about the last place game. It's called the Denny's bowl. It's our loser punishment game. So there's more opera as long as you're eighth or best. Like last year, I made the playoffs as like the seven seed, and I lost. My team wasn't really that great. A lot of injuries, but you know. But the year before, in our inaugural year, I was in the Denny's Bowl and I barely won. You know, with the punishment being you had to spend 24 hours in a Denny's. So yeah, it, classic. it was brutal. So I mean, the playoffs, I absolutely think I'll get into. It's just where where can I be? You know, am I going to be a top three or am I going to be towards the bottom again? Well, I wish you the very best of luck. I'm the commissioner for my league, and I've been dragging my feet, and I need to uh, go ahead and get that started. So, um, but uh, but I also didn't want to do drafting until at least after two preseason games. So now that we're there, I need to get on that horse. But I'll. Uh, how about you know next week? I'll come to you with my team, and uh, we can we can reverse the. the Hell segment. yeah. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Folks, thank you all for tuning in and sticking with us. Evan, any final words to give to the to the people before we wrap up? Go follow the Twitter, down, capital N, out, podcast. Like, everything else is spelled normal, um, but but the in, the and is an in. Um, and uh, go follow us on Twitter, send us some tweets, send us some feedback. Uh, go, you know, even if you're just one of our friends listening to an episode for the first time and you're just trying to be supportive and what have you. We love you for that. You're incredible. Uh, go give us a five star rating if you're, you know, whatever you're listening on, whether that's and yeah, and that's whether you're a person that uh, listens consistently or not. You know, we that does a lot for us in terms of us being able to maybe go elsewhere and say, hey, look at all these people who think like we did a good job. You know, I mean that that's very nice. So so do that. Go follow the Twitter. Um, don't be dickheads. Uh, you know, just be cool, guys. You know, things are crazy still in life. And, and there have been some things recently in my, like, day-to-day that have just been like, man, I don't know if if uh, if people are all right. And they are. But, you know, you know, be part of the be part of the positive end of things and not the negative end of things if you can. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Amen to that. We'll wrap that up on that note. Folks, it's been fun and it's been real. Again, thank you for listening in and always tuning in with us we're back next week and always stay tuned you know our schedules can fluctuate but we'll always do our best to bring you the best content we can so we love you guys thank you for your support so until next time it's been down and out 
Arriba Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.